welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Iowa Hawkeyes 89-77 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. The victory, which Indiana desperately needed, snaps a four-game losing streak, moves Indiana to 16-8 and overall, 6-7 and in Big Ten play, and at least for a moment, at least for a night, allows us to kind of feel good about this team again and to remember that, you know, in all the bracket projections, this team is still an NCAA tournament team, despite all the losses and despite what they're facing coming up, and they're still going to have to win some more games. This was an important victory for Indiana to get back on a good track. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, you know, coming into this game, coming off those four losses, how poorly Indiana played against Purdue, it really felt like something good needed to happen early in the game. You know, you kind of felt like it would be one of those games where there'd be a little bit of a weird energy at Assembly Hall. And, you know, early on, it was a bit of a struggle for Indiana. Iowa was up 9-5, Indiana really struggling to get anything going on offense. You know, credit to Al Durham, who was kind of the one guy pushing the ball, trying to make some things happen. But then Devontae Green came in. <laughs> he immediately hit a three to put Indiana up 11-9. to He would then make another one soon thereafter. Indiana would end up taking a 19-13 lead in the first half on a 9-4 run. And then Luca Garza hit one of his you know many shots from the first half, hit a three at the top of the key. That made it 19-16. And then the floodgates opened as Devontae came right back down and hit another one. At that point, Sean Morris had definitely the best line of his career. He said, Devontae is like a nuclear, he's like nuclear power. When he's harnessed, you can light up an arena. When he's not, you've got Chernobyl, which was so true. And on this night, Devontae was harnessed and he was lighting up. He would go down and make another three to make it 25-16. That got the crowd into it, got everyone feeling good. It sparked a 12-0 run that would give Indiana a 31-16 lead. And I don't believe Iowa got any closer than 10 the rest of the way. Devontae making those shots picked up the energy of everyone. Again, credit to Al, credit to Trace. I thought those guys came out and really brought some energy early. But when Devontae came in and made shots, it just picked up everyone. His offense was the catalyst in the first half. He finished that half with 18 points. He was 5 of 8 from 3. You know, had some rebounds, had assists, was really doing a lot. And then, you know, to his credit, came back in the second half and hit a couple of huge threes late that really sealed it. When it was 71-16, it looked like Iowa might start coming back. End of shot clock, Devontae drained one from the right wing, and then he hit another one to make it 81-66. to Devontae would finish with 27 points, seven three-pointers, and while a lot of guys played well tonight, and we'll talk about them all, it's undeniable that Devontae's shooting, as it can often be in big wins for Indiana, was the catalyst to getting this win tonight. Hat tip to Devontae. He played well with his brother in the stands, and that is the banner moment. Okay, our banner moment tonight brought to you, as always, by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad that remains based in Indianapolis. And, you know, if you go to Homefield's website now, they have over 60-plus schools available on their site. So many different schools now. But IU was their first school. It remains their first love. They remain huge supporters of IU Athletics, and we were up there uh, on Saturday. They came down to support us at Switchyard. We appreciate their support of our show, and we... You know, this is why we suggest that you go there because they're awesome guys. But even more important than that, for an apparel company, their stuff is great. Their shirts are so comfortable and they maintain that comfort even after you wash them, whether it's the t shirt, the long sleeve tee, the hoodie, whatever you get. It's incredibly comfortable and it's adorned with a unique logo that celebrates Indiana's past. This is their niche. They go to schools, they pull back logos that aren't being used anymore, but that people love. 
bring them back, give them a second life, and give you unique apparel that you're not going to find anywhere else. And because you are a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout, and you will get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will go to you for your bottoms line on tonight's IU victory. Uh, so many different places to uh, to hit with the offense really waking up. Um, the, the defense played uh, not great throughout, but I thought they, in in some stretches, were able to really make it hard for Iowa, who's an incredibly talented offensive team. And I just thought the level of effort was different. You saw more guys diving on the floor and things that you didn't see uh, in the Purdue game and some of the other games during the losing streak. I just thought the effort level seemed to be there. Um, you can apply that to whatever you want. I don't know. Nobody is going to sit here and say this team has it all figured out at this point because um, we've watched them throughout the season. Um, but this was a a game in a really a, a tough spot of, of, you know, you can say it wasn't a must-win game, but at this point to watch this team potentially lose this game and go on the road for four or five on a five-game losing streak, uh, there was there would be little reason for optimism if they hadn't been able to come through tonight. And I thought, to your point, Devontae gave him the spark. Um, you know, those threes came early in a run of 16 possessions where IU scored on 15 of them in the first half. Um, That's that good. is not the kind of offense we have uh, Thanks, become Iowa. accustomed to. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the other stretch that I thought was really important was the end of the first half. Uh, things were, Iowa had whittled it down to 10. Um, Rob, I think it was, ran down a, a long rebound on a missed three between two Iowa guys, came up with a 50-50 ball, got it up to Justin for a layup, and then Al made that three uh, at the end of the half. And at one point, I was like, can they push it to 20 before the half? And and then it turned into, can they just avoid disaster? And they split the difference and <laughs> ended up going in up 15. So uh, I, I thought that stretch was big. And then to your point, they played well enough at the beginning of the second half to push that out a little bit more and felt like they tried to hang on, uh, start hanging on a little bit too early uh, to just be able to run the clock out. But it, it did feel like there were any number of moments tonight when Iowa made started to make a little run and somebody wasn't always the same guy. Somebody made just a shot to stem the tide a little bit, and that's something that has been missing in some of these long scoring droughts. Um, so there were a few plays here and there that I'm sure we'll hit that, uh, you know, kind of at least stop that momentum and uh, and got going that way. So I thought it was a a much needed performance from IU and and curious to see how they can uh, take that on the road again for four of these next five, but a really big spot for a team that uh, had not a lot of people believing in them. Uh, I think to a large extent to come out and play that way tonight. So uh, good for them. And uh, we're starting a collection to uh, take the green on the road with the team. So uh, if anybody will, we'll have to get up uh, a link for donations for that later. I, I feel like people would be willing though. Oh, yeah, because whenever no he shows up, Devontae goes off. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ryan, not much to rant about tonight. What is your opening statement? You know, and, and Ken Bykoff just posted this on Twitter, and it's really important to look at. In the first half, Devontae Green was 5 of 11, hit 5 of 8 from 3, and went 3 of 3 from the free throw line. In the second half, he only took four shots. And that's very not Devontae Green. Like, when he starts hitting shots, he usually just starts launching. And he, he took some bad shots in this game, don't get me wrong. But he was two of four in the second half and made three of his four free throws. <clears throat> That's a guy who it seemed at least for the night, like he understood 
just because you're making shots doesn't mean that you should take 20. And, and I, that was a reined in Devontae Green. I also thought defensively he was a scrapper tonight and he was focused and he played better. And it was a different guy than we've seen. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about senior leadership, about upperclassmen not pulling their weight and not doing what they're supposed to do. I thought, yeah, he threw away some lobs. Yeah, he took a couple threes where you were just kind of like, come on, dude, that that's never going to go in. But I felt like in general, that's a guy who recognized some of the problems with the way he's been playing and fixed them. Now, will it last till the next game? We don't know. His whole career has been up and down. And, you know, just when you think it's turned a corner, it drops back. But for one night, you saw what you want from Devontae Green. And you don't need him to score 27 points like he did tonight. You just need him to be able to knock down a shot when he's open and not force shots, not throw the ball away, not get lost on defense, not try and pay attention to where he might be able to reach in and get a steal and lose his man. You know, you just need him to play within the team concept. And when he does that, when he makes shots, that's a guy who's really valuable to the team and can be really valuable. We just haven't seen that consistently tonight. We got it. And we got the ultimate version of that. Like we got against Florida state and it was beautiful to watch It beautiful basketball. And man, guys, how much easier is basketball when you're actually making some shots? It's amazing how that works, isn't it? We talk about that all the time. And, you know, this team needs to be able to shoot threes and knock down threes and not, you know, and get points and in different ways and all this stuff. But you saw tonight what it does. It opens up the middle. It opens up some driving lanes. It, It puts pressure on the other team to have to come back and match that three. You saw Iowa take some forced threes. After Indiana made a three because they're thinking, oh, we got to get those points back or we're going to be down by even more. It, you know, even when, you know, you get a couple twos and you're still matching, it it just psychologically has a huge impact on the other team. It has a, a push for momentum. There's so much that can happen when you start knocking down shots. And the number one thing, obviously, is it puts pressure on the other team. And it makes basketball a heck of a lot easier. And we haven't seen that much this year. We saw it tonight from a couple guys. I mean, they, they hit what they hit 11. Um, it, and, and Devontae had seven of them. So other guys were not going to have Rob Finnessy had two big ones that he stepped into and shot confidently. I, yep. you know, if these guys can knock down some shots, this team is still dangerous. This team still has a ceiling on it when they don't hit shots and they don't play smart and, and they play like they have the last couple games. That's what you get. You get a four game losing streak. Tonight was the example of what you do. I know I was not a good, a good defensive basketball team. But still, they had to hit the shots. It's not about just about being open. And so I think that that Devontae Green led the way tonight. But you saw other people getting confident in their offensive games because some shots fell and they started, you know, driving or looking to the post more often or understanding they're going to get the ball back. It it really fixes everything when shots go in. So that I mean, that's what you saw tonight. And and hopefully something it carries over. Andy Ryan figured out the secret. Make shots. <laughs> Yeah, she said something you know, earlier. It, it is amazing. No, but we've been saying no, that for a while, and I think people are tired of hearing just make shots and things will be better. But it's true. I mean, you see I mean, how easy it is. You know, here, here's your stat of the night: Indiana shot better from three point range than they did on layups. The Hoosiers, eleven of twenty one from deep, nine for twenty two on layups. But what I do want to talk about because, and and this dovetails off what you were saying, Ryan. I thought it was really the story of the game. Is it wasn't just that Indiana shot the ball well on their end. This was some of the best three-point defense that we've seen from Indiana this yeah, year. Indiana sure. went 11 for 21. Iowa was 4 of 14 from deep. 
And three of those makes were by Garza. And, you know, he's going to be able to get that shot off. Like, yeah, a 6'10 guy standing out there shooting threes. I I have nothing nice to say about Iowa after this game. I was just kind of disgusted by the way that they flopped and how dirty yeah. they were i will say this that guy is magnificent to watch incredibly He's so good so he makes three threes so their other guys only made one three you know now frederick obviously went out but when he was in you know indiana was really defending him well justin smith did a nice job on Wieskamp. and andy you know when you look at okay you know how are you going to beat this iowa team garza is going to get his points and he did 38 he was great and indiana wasn't going to stop him but the key and, and look, Iowa scored 1.04 points per possession. It's not like this was a lockdown defensive performance. But remember, context matters. That's an elite offense. And I thought what Indiana did to their wing guys, frustrating them, for the most part, keeping them out of the lane, although there was some slippage late, especially on Wieskamp. But I thought, you know, early, it, you know, mid part of the, the first half on and then at the beginning of the second half, I thought the perimeter defense was really, really good. And that's been an issue for this team. But I thought Rob played well. Al had his moments. Devontae had his moments. Justin did a nice job. Those guys really helped to neutralize Iowa's other guys. And if you're going to beat Iowa, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah, I'm curious to to see. I think the one of the Hoosier Sound guys put this on uh, on Twitter, but that if Archie's plan was to basically just let Garza get his and do everything you could sell out to stop everybody else, um, that was a pretty, pretty clever plan. I don't know whether he would admit it or whether that was really what the – the game plan was, but yeah, I thought for the most part, they really did a good job pressuring Iowa at the three point line. They got a few open looks, um, but I think they did a good enough job early that they, they rattled them a little bit. They struggled at times getting rotation over to cut off drives. They gave up some straight line drives to the basket where, where nobody could get over. But uh, I, I did think in general, they did some good things. We, Sean Morris brought up on the broadcast, what you said, that Justin Smith, um, while I thought he didn't have a, a, a great game offensively, by any stretch, I did think he was uh, after a, kind of a, ro- a rocky start. I thought when he came back in, um, played really well, and I, I'm surprised that we've gone this far without uh, mentioning the defense of Race Thompson. Um, I'm surprised Ryan can even contain himself with how well, oh, we'll Race get played there. We'll over get there. the. Uh, but uh, I was I wasn't going to say anything and just see how long it took Ryan to just. I was start stunned that it was not brought up earlier. But he, no, he you know really what I'm did. waiting for. I'm waiting for there you guys <laughs> to mention him and I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. Who's been telling you that? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's not like we've been disputing it anyway. Um, I thought he did a really good job on help defense on multiple occasions. And I, I thought it was just disruptive. And, and some of that was just the, the activity level. I, you just saw guys really try to fight through some of the screens uh, that Iowa was setting in a way that guys did not fight through screens against Purdue. Uh, and so some of that goes to effort and you get rewarded for that uh, at times. But I, I did think the defense for the most part was pretty good. Um, Garza is a, a tough matchup. And I tell you, I thought it, it's, it's probably challenging to praise the defense of a guy who, uh, who played a large part in guarding someone who scored 38 points. But I thought Trace did a, a heck of a job for Agreed. being a he was great, man. on Trace uh, was great. There's only on Garza. so much you can do, you know? Yeah, I mean, but I thought he really tried to push him out, didn't give him deep position, made him make shots over him. And I think of the points that Garza scored around the basket, not a ton of those were on were on trace. I just thought for a freshman in that situation, uh, I thought he did a a really good job. But like I said, uh, odd to praise someone's defense who uh, who played a role in that. But I I did think he played uh, he played really well and gave IU the flexibility uh, to play differently offensively. you know, he and race would switch sometimes on guys and race, you know, took some turns guarding Garza as well. Um, but I, I thought, 
I thought they did a good job. They were just disruptive. They they made them uncomfortable. And we've talked a lot of times yes. that IU has struggled to do that. And I thought that with the exception of a few plays, I think Garza always looked comfortable. Um, but they forced him into a handful of turnovers as well. So I mean, it, uh, at the very least, forced him to shoot over you, not going past yeah. you. You know, and they did that a couple of times. Well, I mean, you could see it at the start of the game. I mean, they came right out, got it into him. Joey Brunk, I'm sorry, this was just a bad matchup for him. And you know, he only played ten minutes, had four fouls. They did whatever they wanted offensively when Brunk was out there. It happened early. Once we went to the lineup of Trace and Race, and those guys started guarding him, they were able to do work early and sometimes not let him get position. And that's what you have to do with Garza is basically deny him the ball because the guy is so skilled, he's going to score points. But, you know, Ryan, that leads me into what I wanted to talk about, which is those two guys. I thought Trace was awesome tonight. You know, I thought Devontae's shooting was obviously the most important element of the game. I thought Trace was the best player on the court for Indiana. I agree. 17 points, 10 boards. He had seven offensive rebounds. I thought his energy from the tip tonight was outstanding. I, I, like I said, I thought he and Al really brought good energy early that kind of allowed Indiana to you know stick with it when they weren't really getting much going early on. And then when you have that combination with race, Ryan, we've talked about this a lot this year. Those two guys play well together. And you think and back to some of Indiana defensively. Yeah, th- think back to some of Indiana's really good runs against good teams. It feels like it's always those two guys out there and then whoever else you want spread around them. So I you know, and look, we know with race it's about health. It's about just keeping them out there. And you know, tonight he got 25 minutes. He looked good. This is how this team is going to have to play down the stretch is leaning on those two guys. The best lineups involve those two guys together. Well, and here's the thing: they can switch, yeah. and both you know they're both big guys. You may not think of 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 race as as big as as Trace, but he's not that much smaller than him either. I mean, they and they both have long arms. They both are big, bigger guys. They're physical. They're more physical than they look because they're younger and look kind of skinnier. But they're physical players, and and you're right about Trace. I mean, seven offensive rebounds tonight. Man, um, you know he was great. Two two blocks of steal, but then you look at Race's line too. 10 points from race, four of six from the field. He was efficient, four of six, two of five from the free throw line. Got to work on the shot. We've talked about that endlessly about him. He can make them sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. He just has to get more consistent. Four rebounds, but then he had, you know, uh, two blocks, four steals. Race is a guy who makes things happen when he's on the floor. And and you have to have somebody that can stir the drink like that, especially defensively. And he's a guy who recovers defensively. He helps defensively. He can help pick up somebody else's guy if you know they're just ranging towards the basket. He can block shots. He can reach in and knock a ball loose. He anticipates passes incredibly well. That's where his steals were coming from, was coming over the top of somebody who was getting a pass in there, whereas a lot of Indiana's guys are kind of passive and, and want to play, let your guy get the ball, just don't let him get by you, as opposed to being proactive and going and getting the ball. He does that a lot, and he's smart defensively. And he and Trace Jackson Davis, the reason I love them on the floor together, and you, you guys remember early in the in the preseason in, in the uh, non conference, we were talking about that. Hey, that combination might be their best post combination. Then Joey Brunk started playing pretty well, and we got some matchups that were better for Joey. Um, but I, I think that you look at those two guys, and they're interchangeable on screens. They can help each other out, and if like you know a, a break comes down and they're off they can just switch who they're guarding they can both take guys on the perimeter a little bit better than everybody else that you know than the other big guys you just look at that combination and you're like what could be if these guys can continue to develop and continue to play and get minutes together and i thought this was race's best game i thought michigan state was his best game but now i think this was his best game i thought he was an integral part of everything they did tonight and i think trey showed Maybe his best conference game tonight, just all around, given the challenge defensively, 
And, and given what he did offensively against a team that had size and had guys who they could throw at him and they were throwing double teams at him constantly, I thought he played very well. So those two guys, I mean, I know Devontae's probably going to get a ton of game ball votes, but those two guys both have to be considered as well because of what they did in just both ends of the floor, how much effort they gave and and you know how much they can affect the game. I tweeted it out, and, and this goes for Trace as well, but race is a difference maker. You put them on the floor and you get better. And Trace obviously is this exact same way. Yeah, with I mean with race, just stat sheet, ten points, four rebounds, four steals, two blocks, and uh it just just played really well as as you said, was able to do a lot of different things uh defensively and uh and was a guy who, given the fact that I was gonna play small most of the time, uh, except when they bring in Creener to set moving screens, um, <laughs> they uh, you know they really played small, and he was able to guard different guys. And, and we talked about them being able to switch uh, and not lose a whole lot with he and Trace. And then I, I thought with Trace, it was just so many just effort plays on the glass. And I think it's it's one thing to see it, it's something special when you see your best player making those kinds of effort plays, just relentless at times. Uh, on the glass, just trying to to get the ball to create extra possessions to uh, to do all those things. I just felt like that was um, really how he brought energy. Devontae's shot making brought energy to everybody, but I just thought there were there were moments when Trace was just not going to be denied. And and you look at that kid, freshman playing thirty four minutes, spending most of them guarding arguably the national player of the year at the very least, the big 10 player of the year and putting up a double double. And, and like I said, in 34 minutes with seven offensive rebounds uh, battling against him, I, I thought it was a really, really impressive showing from him. So uh, a good night from those guys. Hopefully they get some rest before the, uh, before the Michigan game. It's a, not a super fast turnaround, but you got Sunday afternoon before you come and play again. But I thought really acquitted themselves well. And in, uh, in race, it was a nice bounce back because he didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't play a lot against Purdue, but um, it was definitely a better matchup for him than it was for Joey. And so yeah. uh, kudos to him for being ready to come back after not playing a ton against Purdue and being able to step in and had a huge impact on the game tonight. Hey, and tip of the cap to Duran too. I thought he only played 10 minutes, but I thought they were impactful. The block he had was really good. The jumper, Duran, when you're open, keep shooting. Like Duran can shoot the ball. And so and I'm, I'm passing, not even making a joke here. Like he needs to keep yeah. shooting that shot. And his, his passing is fantastic. Yeah. He really and, is. The, he's their best passing big man. I don't think yes. he's even close. And quite frankly, I think he's earning more minutes than Joey is right now. And that's nothing. You, Joey's a, a good effort guy. And he, I'm glad is he's so the, skilled. I'm glad he's with the program, but you have to remember who Deron Davis was before he got injured. He was a top 50 national recruit, probably should have been a top 30 recruit, probably would have been a top 20 recruit if he wasn't from Colorado where they don't send scouts. And, and he has that skill. Shots he fired. does have that skill and he's just been injured and he's been, you know, out of sorts and out of shape and all of those things. But that dude can play. And yeah, we talked about it early in the year that there were going to be games where he was going to have to impact the game. And quite frankly, in a night like tonight where, where Joey Brunk doesn't have it, Duran should be getting more minutes than he got. Yeah, well, and the, but that's the formula. You're probably not going to get more than 10, 12 minutes from him, and you need the kind of impact that you got tonight. You know, it's not going to jump out on the stat sheet, but I thought those were impactful minutes and important I'm not, minutes. And hopefully I thought his mobility that. on defense has been better. Yes. Slowly um, getting better, yeah. And so he was able to play that. But but he's another guy like you're just going to throw the kitchen sink at, at Garza at that point. It's another guy who can lean on him a little bit uh, and, and do those things. And I, I just, yeah, I, I would agree. We shouldn't uh, shouldn't pass him over because he played well when he was in there, had that little um, running shot in the lane um, toward the end of the game too that when, when IU was just trying to, you know, any bucket 
got you closer to the finish right. line and winning the game. Yeah. All right, coming up, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 12-point victory over the Iowa Hawkeyes, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morrissey with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's much-needed victory over the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight. The Hoosiers win by 12, snap their four-game losing streak. And guys, it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And... For tonight's moment, I want to go back to the 15-30 mark in the second half. And I want to talk about Rob Finnessy because, you know, Rob got the ball. He's bringing it up. He gets yelled at by Archie Miller. I mean, Archie took two steps onto the court and yelled at Rob for not pushing fast enough. And this was a theme. And you've kind of seen it game after game where Archie is kind of employing these guys to push the pace. But he really, at this point, seemed frustrated with Rob for not getting the ball up the court. Now, the possession ends with Rob getting it up. He got it into Trace. Uh, Trace did a nice job of being patient, waited for the double team, got it out to Rob, and Rob made the three. It was the second catch-and-shoot three of the game. And, you know, to me, Andy, what this possession brought up was really what Rob is doing right offensively and what Rob is doing wrong offensively. Because I thought, you know, this was a really mixed bag for Rob. He finished with 12 points, had five assists, you know, went two for three from downtown. He had three steals. You're looking at it like, that's a pretty good game. But he had five turnovers. And I thought there were a lot of offensive possessions that were really hampered by his tentativeness, whether it was tentativeness to drive, tentativeness to know where to pass, tentativeness just pushing the ball up the court. You know, in contrast with Al Durham, who I thought really every time he got the opportunity, pushed it. And so you saw Archie, you know, yell at him, get mad. But then the one thing that Rob is doing confidently and in rhythm is on catch-and-shoot opportunities. He's been great. And I don't know what his percentage is in Big Ten play, but it feels like he's probably hitting about 50% of the threes that are catch-and-shoot. And so, you know, that's obviously something to build on because we need those shots. And I thought Rob's defense was good, and we can talk about that later. But, you know, for this team to get to the point where they can play offense consistently on a night when Devontae Green doesn't go supernova and go 7 of 11 from downtown, they're going to need more from Rob than they got tonight. And I just thought that tentativeness and Archie's frustration with it, you know, was kind of a manifestation of part of the formula for winning that we had in the offseason that has gone wrong this year, which is Rob hasn't really taken that next step yet on offense as a playmaker and consistently. And, and I think that's still room for improvement for him and for this team. Yeah, it was interesting because it was a play early in the early in the game. I think before I think before Devonte came in that he had a really decisive drive to the basket. I potentially off of a turnover. I'm trying to yep. look back here. Um, what, no, it was off an I will miss. But, you know, he basically took it and went straight down the middle and did a really good job of getting to the rim. But that was the exception, I felt like, for the most part uh, tonight uh, w- with him. I think guys got a little bit uh, – Justin Smith had one like this where he made a nice drive to the lane but then was hesitant to actually shoot the ball and ended up traveling because he was, you know, kind of overthinking and passing. Yep. Um 
And and IU did struggle. You you brought up the point about the layups. I think part of that was um, Garza. I'm pretty sure he would have had to take out a taser at some point in the first half to actually pick up his second foul because uh, there were a number of chances where guys tried to drive into him. And then I think everybody became a little bit tentative to do that. Um, Rob did make. Yeah, I talked about some of the big shots that went in when things were potentially getting away from him. He hit that runner uh, at some point somewhat you know middle to late second half to hit the rim a couple times and yeah. and rolled in that was a big shot at the time and um good to see him not afraid to take that but yeah to your point he he really at the beginning of the second half shot really well uh on those kickouts for uh for three i thought trace passed the ball pretty well um and they were finding finding him open and he converted but um i i don't know how much of that you attribute to the injuries and to the things that he's gone through but uh i think if they can unleash him a little bit more get him to be more decisive that we've seen even at times this year of really trying to go to the rim struggling to finish I don't know if some of those struggles are manifesting themselves in him being uh, a little bit unsure getting the ball in the lane and and doing some of those things so I think if they can continue to push that with him it's clear that's what Archie wants to do particularly in game tonight where the pace was relatively high I was low on players Um, it, it this was the game to really kind of push it and try to assert yourself and um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. It felt like he struggled to do that at times, but you still see enough flashes to, uh, y- you know, to think that it's it's still there and that he's going to figure it out. But y- you just don't know how much of that comes from general confidence, injury, or, or whatever the case I, may be. I don't think the injuries are a big factor now physically. No, I don't know, you know, what lingering impact they may have of, you know, mispractice Mentally, time yeah. and that kind of thing. But I don't think they're a big issue physically, at least from what I've heard. Um well, here's here's what I'll say about Finnessy in the second half. He did have those four turnovers in the first half. Second half, uh, 10 points. He was 3 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. He made both his free throws late, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 2 steals. His second half was better. I agree. He's not pushing the ball the way Archie wants, and that's an instinctive thing that's just not kicking in for Rob. I mean, a lot of that is catching. You're on the run and go, and some guys have that and some guys don't, and, and Rob clearly needs to get there because Archie wants to push push the ball you can get a bucket quick, good. You don't have to run your stagnant half-court offense that we sometimes see. You know, I mean, you can get that bucket quickly. Um, so I, I think that it, we have to look at these things as two different halves. In the first half, I agree. He was pretty bad, and, and he was holding the team back a little bit with the turnovers and trying to force some things and not being decisive. I thought the second half, I thought he was better. I thought he moved the offense. The problem was, I think, that the offense about the middle of the second half I, I I told you guys in our in our group text. I thought that Archie needed to call a timeout, set something up for the zone because when they went zone, everything stopped and guys were arguing about what they were in and and guys were running in circles and not doing. Then we had about a seven minute drought where we really weren't playing good offense and you can't have that Big Ten play. I mean, we've seen it this year. They were up by enough and Iowa wasn't making enough shots to wind up hurting them. But that seven to eight minute drought, just because you won, doesn't make it acceptable. You know, and just because you were ahead by 12 at that point doesn't make it acceptable and doesn't make it okay. So I think that at that point, Archie's got to be a, a lot quicker with the trigger of, of calling the timeout and just, hey, run one play that you know you're going to get a bucket out of or at least a good look. You get that good look, maybe it loosens things up. Maybe it changes things. You know, draw something up. That's what you got the way. Where's he been for. hiding that play also? <laughs> I know, just but just a one time draw it up, get a back screen when you're usually getting a down screen on that play and get a wide open guy can change the momentum and just get you feeling good about yourself and can turn, you know, 
keep a four minute drought from turning into an eight minute drought, you know? And, and so I just thought he should have been quicker with the trigger in the end on the back end, we wound up using all our timeouts because of our issues inbounding the ball late in the game. So, you know, but at the same time, I just felt like there needed to be some kind of change there. And I I don't really want to blame that on Rob necessarily. He's the floor general. He's supposed to be in charge. The coaching staff's got to be on top of that as well. Yes. I, I do think some of this is on the coaching staff. I just, I think it's a lingering concern that coach and point guard don't seem to be quite on the same page. And Rob just doesn't seem comfortable in the offense. Whatever that is attributed to, it's just a concern, you know? And so, you know, hopefully it continues to get better. I think there were some signs of improvement tonight. Just as we go on the road now for four out of five, that's going to be really important if we're going to be able to get one of these victories. Um, The other meaningful moment I wanted to point out, Andy, and then we'll get yours, uh, and this is just a quick one, is at the 10-minute mark, you know, I was on a 7-0 run after Jerome's technical, which was a BS technical, and we can talk about it later. Um, But it was 62-51 at that point, and it really felt like things were teetering a little bit. You know, it was kind of an 11-point lead that felt like a one-point lead, just given, you know, how things have been going. And I thought Al and Race made a really good play. You know, Al was aggressive, threw a little bit of a wild pass, but Race made a great catch. He scored. It was an and one, but he missed the free throw. But I thought we really needed a bucket there. And those two guys just kind of created a play. It wasn't out of a set. It was just two guys playing basketball, and they made a play. Uh, The very next possession, then Devontae got it inside to Trace. He got fouled, and that kind of settled things down again. And I actually thought, you know, Al Durham, his numbers don't jump out tonight. Six points, two rebounds, four assists. And obviously, you know, those two wide open three pointers that he missed are probably the most memorable moments he had. I really thought Al played well tonight. He had some defensive lapses, but he hustled after him. He got on the floor. Like I thought he was a leader tonight in emotion and just in action, even if not by production. And I know sometimes we're critical of him when the numbers aren't there, but I thought tonight he really played an important role in what Indiana was doing. And I thought that play in particular was a really important one, Andy. Yeah, Al was was one of the guys that that really was diving around on the floor in this game. Uh, there was the play at the end where, you know, he gets beat, took a bad angle on an inbounds play, but he chased the guy down. Rob did a good job of stepping in, and Al is just flying down the court, knocks the ball away from behind, and they end up getting the uh, getting the ball back. So, uh, I, yeah, I thought it was it was funny because I was just looking at the box score and I, I had a similar thought to what you said that I felt like he the, the numbers don't necessarily tell the story of how well he played at times. He did have four assists, which was uh, second on the team behind Rob. So um, that number does stick out as, as a really good one. But he was one of five from three, hit the big one um, going into the half. I thought that was a, a really key play uh, as well. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good bounce back game from him uh, as well. And I think in games where Obviously, everything looks better uh, when Devontae shoots the way that he does. But I think that takes such a it takes such a burden off of Al and lets Al be the more of the supporting guy that he's probably best suited for at this yeah. level for this team. For sure. yeah. um, but when Devontae's not shooting well, there's a burden that I think Al feels that he's trying to make up for things that, that are that way. And I think Agreed. he he just looked comfortable and didn't feel like he needed to force things. He, you know, he took those kickout shots and. Yeah, it would have been great not to miss the first one or the second one exactly like you missed the first one. But yeah, um, but but Ryan, in general, Ryan have a ten minute breakdown of that coming. Oh well, yeah, I can't wait. I, look want, I, I already got the yeah. preview earlier. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, maybe I'll maybe send it to him separately. But uh, so yeah, I thought it was a, a good call me out for him for sure. 
No, what I'd say about Al is is that that play that you were talking about where he he chased down, you know, he made a mistake, chased down the guy, knocked the ball loose. I mean, that was a huge play in the game late to as far as momentum goes and made that play. I don't mind a guy making a mistake. I will never mind a guy making a mistake if he makes up for it with hustle and if he's playing hard and he made up for a mistake with hustle. And and you'll take that every single time. The, the, the mistakes you have a problem with are where the guy makes a mistake and doesn't run back on defense or, or where a guy, you know, misses a guy in the corner and then jogs up the floor on offense. Like, no, you make a mistake. You better be picking your heels up and getting, you know, and running. And, and so I just I thought that was indicative of the way that Al played. He made mistakes, but I never felt like he wasn't playing hard and he wasn't being aggressive all night. We have our first IU look like a Final Four team tonight in the chat. So things are just so Ooh. much more fun and optimistic when Indiana wins. But the, by the way, the last point I want to make about Al, because Andy, you're so right. Sometimes it feels like we come on here and we judge him against the standard of like he's got to be Keith Smart when really the role he's supposed to play is Remy Abel. You know what I mean? And like that's really the one that's, that that's a weird comparison. But. What no, but what I'm saying I'm just, is yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's he's more the role that he's, guard. Right. That's more the role that he's suited to. And you know, look, he's getting the minutes when he's getting the opportunities. He's you need him to produce, but it is important to keep that in mind. You know, when you look at kind of what he was as a recruit, what he is as a player, you know, we gotta be fair in how we evaluate guys. Uh, Andy, do you have any moments that you want to point out or do you want to talk some stats? Uh, there was only one other one that I had I had jotted down. I probably should have starred some of those baskets that uh, that stem the tide of a of an Iowa run. Although you mentioned the one from race, that was during a, a really bad offensive stretch of the second half where IU had scored once out of uh, roughly ten possessions uh, leading into that one. There was a stretch in the first half. I think this speaks a little bit to what we talked about with Trace, where he blocks a shot on the one end. Um, I, I didn't even know who the Till guy was on Iowa until this game tonight. Trace like did a drop step on him and just dunked on everyone. And then yeah. not, I think maybe the next possession, maybe the next offensive possession after that was one of those sequences where he was just all over the glass, just creating an extra possession and um, yeah. doing those things. So kind of got lost a little bit in, uh, in how well he played, but that was a, a really quick and we talk about guys being quick and decisive. That was a quick and decisive post move that made, uh, made that Iowa gentleman look pretty silly. Um, all right, let's quickly hit numbers. Again, I thought the most important numbers were the three-point numbers, but Indiana getting 16 offensive rebounds. Yep. And I don't know, what was Seven the final What three. was the final rebounding total? It was 39-20 um, yeah, something. So, you know, that, that was 11. a big focus for Archie on his pregame radio show because this has been the one thing that Indiana's always been able to lean on is, you know, rebounding. And that's been missing these last few games. And Indiana was back crashing the glass. You know, Indiana did turn it over 17 times. But they also forced 19 of Iowa. And a lot of that was just getting in passing lanes, being active, race time. There was a segment of the game where both teams were kind of in a malaise and you just saw turnover after turnover after turnover. And you get into that pattern both ways. And it just. What? You mean when the refs were officiating like it was a football game? Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Funny how turnovers happen when you're doing. I know. Um, You know, so those numbers really stood out to me. Also, Indiana was 16 assists on 28 made field goals, which is a really good number for the Hoosiers. Uh, And they held Iowa to just nine assists on 26 because a lot of what Iowa was doing was basically Luca Garza just getting the ball and creating shots for himself yeah, Um, Yeah. or other guys driving to the basket. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot within the flow of the offense. And that's, that's what you would want to do to Iowa because, man, when they're going, they can be really crisp offensively. They were actually the first few minutes and then Indiana really locked down and, you know, made them uncomfortable, as you said. The 11 steals is big, too, just because of aggressiveness on defense. It looked like they were trying to take the ball, you yeah. know, and, and and jumping in front and and trying to. And we mentioned Race had four of them, 
And a couple of those were just anticipating passes and stepping into the passing lane, you know, instead of just waiting for your guy to get it. And, and I thought that was big. Also, nice to see 45 bench points from Indiana tonight. Of their 45 from the bench, 44 from the starters. That's yeah. good balance. <laughs> uh, Andy, any other numbers for you that are important? Uh, a couple. We talked about the, the turnovers. IU only had six in the first half when they built the lead, so I think that was important. There was a, a, some sloppy stretches in the second half where I felt like they got too tentative and were either trying to run clock the whole time or throw uh, or throw really aggressive uh, lob passes. Um you know, points off turnovers though. IU did win that twenty-five to twenty-two. Fast break points was a big one, twenty-two for IU, just seven for Iowa. Uh, some of the steals lead to those kinds of things. And um, even given how many points the Garza had, points in the paint, IU did lose that thirty-eight to thirty. Um, part of that is actually shooting the ball well from uh, three-point range and yeah. and not playing as much inside. But uh, that was a struggle. And then uh, eight for eight down the stretch and free throws. Justin made two. Devonte had two. They Rob stepped had two, up when they needed to. And Trace had two. It was funny. They held up at one section sec, section of the game. They showed like I was huddle and they held up a board of who was on the floor. And they had Duran and Justin circled because I think they wanted to start fouling. It was about two minutes left because and Duran went out not long after that. But Justin was the first guy they fouled when they really started to foul. And like, he stepped up and made them both. So um, that was really big. You could, you could tell they had eyes on who they wanted to foul. Although if they've been watching IU shoot free throws all this, all this year, they would just have circled everyone's name, but that's neither here nor there. Worth noting, 10 of 17 as a team in the first half, 12 of 15 in the second. So they tightened it up a lot in the second half, making yeah. those free throws. In. And it was when they mattered, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we will hand out our game balls, hit any other lingering storylines. We've got to talk about that Jerome technical. And then uh, we will look ahead to Sunday, Indiana's next opponent at Michigan, and then it will be time for last call. That is all next on the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Thank you, Tim. By the way, it was nice meeting you on the flight home from uh, Indianapolis to DFW. You are we listening. We met a lot of people last weekend. We yeah. did. We did meet a lot of people. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, Make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is IU to 66866. All right, I'm Jared Morris. Andy Bottoms is here. Ryan Phillips is here. We are breaking down Indiana's much-needed victory over Iowa. Guys, it is time for the game balls. Uh, I'll go first. I'm just I'm giving it to Devontae Green. Um, I said earlier, Trace Jackson Davis was Indiana's best player. And I believe that, but the shooting of Devonte Green to open the game to close the game was so impactful. Um, and so, you know, for the struggles that he has had to kind of come back, play like he did tonight, you know. And Ryan, as you said, really make a lot of good decisions. I mean, the sixteen alley oops that he threw, those weren't good. You know, he kind of substituted bad shots for <laughs> ill-timed alley oops. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I said on Twitter, I was like, "Look, you throw one of those, I get it. Yeah, because like it brings the house down, crazy, you know, whatever." You throw a second one. Yeah. All right, we're we're teetering on the edge here. You throw a third, and it's like, dude, sit down. Yeah, we, we maybe need you, we practice need you, them. We need you. 
Like yeah. his alley oops are always like into the rafters. He almost got Trace yeah. killed because Trace is just like it's ready like to go die for everything. He's throwing an alley oop to someone with student tickets in the third yeah. row. You know, it's be like, careful because no. Trace will go after it, and then he goes flying into the stands. I know. But no, this was a really good night. This was good, Devonte. This is the kind of Devonte that you know if you get this kind of Devonte and this Indiana team gets into the NCAA tournament, yeah, this team can win a couple games when you get a guy like that shooting like that. So it's always nice to be reminded of what he can do when it's really good. Now we just hope to see it once, twice, three times, eight more times. Who knows? However many times before you know his career at Indiana is done. We'll take it, Devontae, as many times as you want to give it. Tonight was a great game for him. So he gets my game ball. Uh, Andy, who gets yours? Yeah, I would give mine to him as well. I think in a team for a team that was really lacking energy coming out of the Purdue game, and, and not necessarily at the beginning of the game, but he gave them such a spark where if Iowa strings together another couple of baskets and gets up, eight points early. Uh, I think things could get away from IU pretty quickly. We, we saw that uh, in the Purdue game. We've seen that in some of these road games where when things start to go downhill, it, it goes downhill in a hurry. And so him coming in, making those shots um, and, and even to go back to what, you know, Ryan talked about what Ken Bikoff had tweeted out, only taking the four shots on the second half, those couple threes toward the end were huge when they really needed them uh, toward the end of possessions. But uh, in general, played I think as under control as you can reasonably expect him to do and uh and I just thought that that boost that he gave them in the first half uh you know put him over the top from a game ball perspective but uh I would argue with no one if they wanted to try to give it to Trace or even Race Thompson because I thought those guys were both uh those are the three guys they sent to the press conference and I thought rightfully so those were the three guys that were the the biggest factors in the game all right Andy or Ryan give it to Race Make your case. Nope. I'm sticking with Devontae Green. It's a clean sweep. Uh, 27 points in 25 minutes. Yeah, you get the game ball. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought, again, I, I thought the key is, as Andy mentioned, he the second half, he didn't just come out and shoot 12 shots, you know, and just fire up shots from all angles. He did hit kind of a crazy three late in the shot clock there that he knew was going. He was jogging back on it um, where it was kind of an awkward position. And he put it in, but. Uh, other than that, I, I really thought he played a restrained game. The shots weren't there in the second half. I, I you know, Iowa was overplaying him, and he, a, he a stayed. restrained game. Boy, it context was, is was, important for that comment. <laughs> it was. It was restrained in the second half. He was restrained. I thought he played a smart, a smarter game. I, I agree with you. That's what's crazy about it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so anyway, I, I just thought it was it was a really excellent performance from him. And again, it, even if you get two thirds of that Devonte every game you'll take it. And, and so uh, just a great night for a senior and a great moment for him to do that at home, especially with his brother watching. And especially after all the questions that have been asked about him, uh, we've been as harsh as him on anybody. And I tweeted this out earlier. I am so here for the Devonte green redemption tour. Yes. Like I, I Devonte prove me wrong, please. I am begging you. I want you to, I, I absolutely want you to prove me wrong. I think that, that uh, that'd be a great way to end his story at Indiana. If he just went on a roll. I did annoy myself, the president of the fan club. So probably there have been people. That was a long time ago, Jared. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. But boy, it feels good on nights like tonight. All right. The other game ball that all three of us want to give out is to everybody who was at Switchyard Brewing on Saturday night uh, after the IU-Purdue game. Obviously, we wish that we could have met there under a little bit different circumstances with Indiana playing better and winning. But it was awesome. It was a great event. And it was really amazing certainly for me i'm sure you guys agree with this to look out and see all those people there and to have the opportunity to talk with so many of you one-on-one i'm telling you you know going there going to the game being able to experience bloomington is awesome 
the thing I come back from those trips always and just feel just, you know, filled is the connections that we get to make with audience members. And it ups my enthusiasm to come back and do the show tenfold when we get back. So I just, I really want to thank everybody for coming out, making sure that we weren't just talking to an empty room uh, and letting us know how much you appreciate what we do. It really, really does mean a lot. So, Man, that would have sucked if Switchyard set everything up and it was just an empty room. But no, it was just, packed. I think we all talked afterwards how shocked we were, how filled it was, how many people were there, especially after a loss. Uh, it was really just awesome to see everybody there get to shake hands, put names to yeah. um, you know, names to faces and and all that stuff. Faces to names, I guess, because we're on the internet. But um, it was <laughs> it was really great to to meet everybody. And and this is something after this weekend we've talked about we're gonna try and do this more often. And, and potentially do two year instead of one. And then who knows after that, but um, it was great to great to see everybody. And thanks for coming out. It was awesome. And if you didn't get to make it, we'll, we'll have something for you sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah, I would, I would echo what you guys said. It was a, it was a really fun weekend. The only part that wasn't fun was the part where the game was going on. The halftime was cool. The second half of the game was not good. And then uh, everything halftime else was, was cool. I would say Even our Friday night was awesome. We met, cool. we met some national champions. Yes. Yeah. Everything like first literally half everything, the half but from when, yeah, the beginning of when the buzzer sounded to begin and end each half, other than that, everything was great. So no, it was, it was cool to share it with, uh, with so many people out there. And we, we joked about how many, uh, people showed up at the first one that may have, may or may not have even known what they were there for. Uh, so <laughs> it seemed that everyone was was genuinely there for the uh, for the meetup and for the show. So it was cool to be able to do that at a, a, a fun venue, and uh, it was a it was a really good time that, that we had. Always fun to get back to Bloomington, as Jared said. Uh, that much more fun when we get to meet everybody. Coach remains disappointed, Ryan, though that your mom did not bring any tiramisu to the. Uh, yeah, you know, it just it wouldn't keep on a plane. It really wouldn't. It would. It would. Flatten out, collapse. It wouldn't. All right. Uh, at this point, let me say goodbye to our radio audience because this is Thursday night. So post game show is going to double for Assembly Call Radio. If you've been listening on the radio, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we will be back on Sunday for the IU Michigan post game show. I'm going to be there. Ryan is tentatively going to be there, uh, and then I don't know what Andy and Coach's schedule is. So we will uh, we will see. But we will have the post game show for you immediately following that, and then of course every Thursday night. Join us at our website for Assembly Call Radio. We appreciate you, appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we will talk to you, radio listeners, soon. For everybody else, we're going to stay right here uh, because we have more to talk about in this game. Because I want to talk real quick a little bit of Jerome Hunter. I thought this was one of Jerome's poor performances in a while, and it has nothing to do with the technical foul. Um, he did come in and make a three, and that was a big shot. Um but I thought, I don't know if I texted you guys this, I texted someone that, you know, Jerome is just kind of a space cadet tonight. And every now and then you get this game, like the Michigan State game was like this for him. It's a freshman. He, yeah, he, he is. And it's, you know, it's understandable. I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at him. You know, we didn't need his contributions tonight. And that's, that's what you want. You don't really want to have to rely so much on freshmen. You like for it to be, you know, a little bit of a bonus. Uh, obviously, that's not the case for this team because Trace is the team's best player. Um, but I just thought he, he just wasn't quite as mentally locked in. I will say, just to be clear, I had no problem. I, I'm not mad at him for the technical foul. If you missed it, on the other end, he got beaten by Joe Wieskamp, like really bad, which is actually what prompted the Space Cadet comment. And then Wieskamp just got in his face and was jawing at him to the point that I thought they were going to call a technical foul. So then they come on the other end, and McCaffrey and Wieskamp are basically like sandwiching him with their toolness and like jawing at his face. 
and they're in his face. And so all Jerome did was put his finger up. And yeah, he put his finger in the guy's face, but I had zero. If you're a ref, you either call nothing or you call a double technical foul. Yeah, you, I thought you that split was him absolute, up and tell him to calm down. Yeah, I thought that's, it was horse crap. So I get it. Like, is getting a technical there? That's not a good time for a technical. No. And if you want to tell Jerome, hey, next time, maybe don't put your finger up so you don't draw attention to yourself, fine. But I just thought that was bad officiating more than it was a bad decision by Jerome. And frankly, on a team that is devoid of emotion sometimes, I really don't mind a guy standing up for himself. So I just, maybe I'm in the minority and it was bad timing. I'm just, that's not something, it's a teaching moment, but I'm not mad at Jerome for it. And I don't think he was necessarily in the wrong. That's yeah, I, I I agree. I thought that that was a weak technical. I thought that you could have called it on any number of people who were in that situation there. Uh, good on race and a couple other guys to pull him away and kind of yes. be like, hey, you know, calm down. You don't because because they saw it. OK, even if this is stupidly gets called, it's going to hurt the team. So um, but yeah, I had no problem with that. As far as his game, Jerome, I you know, I this to me was, as as, as we said, kind of a freshman game. I didn't think he was horrific i thought he got beat a couple times and that's not good and i thought that he wasn't providing a whole lot on offense but his presence on the court is better than the presence of some other guys on the court at times you know i i feel like just his threat that he could hit a three helps space the offense i think he's willing to pass it into the post more than some other guys i he, he had one where he posted up uh you know possession where he posted up and was going to try and make a move then garza came over and he was like well that's not gonna happen <laughs> but I, I think that you know, I just think that he's more of a threat on the court than some other guys are. So I'm willing to deal with an off game. I mean, I know you're not saying that you think that he should get less time, but I I just think that even his presence on the court when they're not, when he's not having his best game is more beneficial than some other guys. And, and and I, you know, with his size, his length, everything we've just, we've seen the breakout from him now. So now it's a little more stark when he's he's not quite into it, but he's, he's always a threat to, to to knock down a three. He didn't get any chances really in the second half to take a shot, but he's always a threat and, and the guy can actually knock him down now and, and is feeling confident about it. I thought you, you texted me. You thought his his shot was flat. The the second three he took and it was, it was a line drive. drive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it came off low on his hand or what. I mean, I have to rewatch, but yeah, it was definitely, but just a, a straight line from his hand to the front of the rim. So, uh, but that's that, you know, that's, those are fewer, few and far between for him. So I, I, you know, am okay with his performance. Hopefully yeah. he watches the film, learns a little bit and, and develops, but I, I was surprised we didn't see him after that technical. I thought he'd come back in because I, th- I didn't think he was playing that poorly. Yeah. I think the I think the challenge with that was they were, Justin was doing a good well, enough Justin job on Wee's camp well. that, uh, yeah, I think if somehow you could meld, Jerome's offensive game and confidence with with Justin's defense when he's really locked in, you'd have a you'd have a hell of a player. So I think that's really the reason. I, you know, I would I would agree with you, Jared. I didn't really have an issue with the technical. I don't really. It sounded like from people who were there that Iowa spent the better part of the second half trying to go yep. to IU Bain and them. to react into something and flopping. Um, they played like a yeah. bunch of cowards. I was really. Th- Really disappointed of, in them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. a ton of flopping. I mean, the one that they go to the monitor, they call a foul on Justin Smith. I mean, he did kind of grab the guy going into the screen, but the only contact that was made that would have knocked him over was yep. with Garza's shoulder. Yep. And he acts like he just got hit by a truck. And then I even thought the one that Creener kind of got, you know, made the basket and then came back through Trace. I felt like that was he ran into his, his arm as well. I, I know, but even then, I, I feel like his arm like hit him kind of in the neck, and he's like holding his head and doing whatever. No, but like, it, it I, was like. You watch the way he ran back. He ran back towards. Yeah, he Trace. ran. It wasn't like he yeah, he knew ran. where he was. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and and then whatever, uh, yeah, whatever. Number one, Toussaint. I think he was. Uh, 
he was all over the flopping as well. So anyway, it was just, yeah, I just felt like that was just a, and Jerome was the one they happened to get the, the better of, I guess, to get to react to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt like you to Jared, where both guys are standing there, John at him, he's in between them and like nobody, you know, the ref doesn't come to step in or do anything. And then he's the guy that gets mad because he, you know, kind of pushes one away and, you know, you know, puts a finger in his guy's face or maybe was pointing to the scoreboard. Who knows what was going on? But uh, yeah, I just thought it was, I just thought that was silly, but they let a lot of things get out of hand as big 10 refs are want to do. Yes, as they are. Um, by the way, the moment of the night was coach's text about Fran McCaffrey, which we're not going to say on the air. No, yeah, no. I've still uh, not heard that term not, in a while, but I was, a, I was really excited to see it brought back. So not a big, not a big, uh, Fran fan, no. uh, Mr. Tonson. No, uh, man, that made me laugh. Um, what else from this game? Anything else that we need to, you know, we should, we should give a tip of the cap to Archie Miller and the coaching staff with the team backs against the wall. You know, having them having them ready. I mean, again, it's it's kind of a roll of the dice when you play Devontae Green, um, and you got good Devontae tonight. But I thought the game plan was pretty good. Um, you know, and I thought some of the moves Archie made. You know, riding Race Thompson when he's playing well. I thought for the most part, you know, Joey Bronk only getting ten minutes. Like I thought he made some pretty good decisions tonight. You know, so I was, uh, you know, it, he beat Iowa by twelve. I thought it was a pretty well coached game. So we hadn't mentioned him, so I thought I would. Any other? storylines from this game that you guys want to talk about i thought he did a better job of to your point i think a little bit of this with joey although the fouls were were a part of that and even armand i mean he got beat on defense a couple times and he didn't come back in again part of that it's easy to not bring him back in because uh was playing so well uh but i thought he did a better job than i and i feel like we've seen lately of saying hey this guy just doesn't have it and and i'm not gonna keep rolling him back out there yeah um I even thought bringing Brunk back in toward the end. I mean, because Garza just immediately scored on him, and uh, yeah, his eyes got so, biggest sauce. So that was that. that was the that was my one kind of questionable point where it's like I'm not sure why you wouldn't bring Duran back in in that situation. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, to get this team in any shape to be able to come out and play this game after the way they looked on on Saturday uh, in a spot with a lot of pressure in terms of coming back to this game, you do give them credit for uh, doing their best to get guys ready to play. Um, okay, Ryan, I know you got to go. So why don't you do a, a last call and then we'll look ahead to Michigan. Good for Devonte green is what I'll say. I thought that he, he came out and he really lifted this team and elevated them. And, and when he's going and he's hitting shots, like we saw against Florida state, it's just so fun to watch. The problem is the valleys from those peaks are, are so hard to watch, but, uh, that's a guy who came out and a lot of people have been asking questions about him and the other upperclassmen over the last couple of weeks, really. And especially since that Purdue game. But he really stepped up, and and good for him to do that. And and you can be critical of the guy all the time, and I certainly am. But that performance shut me up for tonight. I mean, it really did. Like that was fantastic, and he deserves all the credit for it. And and hopefully, we see kind of more of this because we need it badly. That guy can help lift this team to another level if he's locked in, if he's focused. And then credit to guys like Trace Jackson Davis and, and, and Ray Thompson, younger guys who played their tails off, who really, really did play hard and, and really made things difficult for Iowa on the defensive end. Um, and, and just, you know, showed effort and showed that they can be difference makers despite their age. They can really battle with guys and, and make big plays. So um, <clears throat> that's the, those are my, my big observations for this one. And, and hopefully it, it, it's, I mean, it was an absolutely huge win for Indiana. Someone in the chat just referred to Fran McCaffrey as Mitch McConnell with a chin. 
All right. I, I don't know if that is a good description, but it did make me laugh. So I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm out of here. <laughs> That's a good attempt. Uh, by the way, Juwan, OG, James Blackman Jr., all in attendance tonight. So that was, uh, that was nice to see. Uh, Andy, let's look ahead to Sunday. Indiana facing off against Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines, despite all the ups and downs that they've had, still rank 20th in Ken Palm. You know, they've only won four out of their last nine games, but they've obviously been a much different team with Isaiah Livers than without him. Uh, and I believe he's been back the last couple of games when they beat Michigan State and beat Northwestern by 25 at Northwestern. Um, so that obviously poses – they don't – I've been talking for a while about how this game you know, seems like one of the more winnable road games they have. It's decidedly less winnable if Isaiah Livers is out there. But still, you know, a game, given how much they've struggled guarding big guys, that you feel like Indiana has some things they might be able to take advantage of. Yeah, Livers has played at least 30 minutes each of the last couple of games. He's really been, uh, I know one of their games I watched, they put up some kind of graphic on just how different they'd been uh, really on both ends of the floor with him. And they, they just don't have, um, you know, they got John Teske. They've got other big guys that they'll play, um, but they're just not the threat to score and, and can't really stretch the floor in the same way that Livers can. So that's really the the big matchup you look at um, from that standpoint. And then, uh, they're, they're certainly going to put IU in ball screen situations where Teske can pop out and make shots occasionally. And um, they're going to run tons of that stuff at, at IU. So it'll be interesting to see who, um, you know, big guy wise that IU plays and how they play it. I think it would be another good game for race Thompson to play in that. He is a, a decent matchup with, uh, with livers given his mobility and, and things like that. So uh, it's, it's hard to think that the way he played, tonight would not translate into more minutes in the future, but I think that will be a, a big one. And then, you know, at the point of attack defensively, can you, uh, you know, can you control Xavier Simpson or Jeff Jackson Simpson or whatever he's going by um, <laughs> as, as you go through and do that? So that'll be a, a good test for Rob to really be able to be locked in and, and not get frustrated there. So um, yeah, it'll be a it, definitely with livers there. It, it looks a whole lot tougher um, than it, uh, than it did before. Uh, from a, a statistical perspective, Michigan doesn't force a ton of turnovers on defense. So that uh, for an IU team that has the propensity to turn it over will be uh, a good thing. And, and Michigan is first uh, in league play, at least in, uh, in turnover percentage offensively and first in two point shooting. So, uh, you, you know, those are things to watch for trying to uh, keep them from getting easy shots around the basket and, uh, and figuring out what they can do. But at least the team goes into it with some confidence. Michigan comes into it with confidence as well, although they started the game against Northwestern shooting really poorly and uh, still ended up winning by 25. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, any road win at this point for any team, IU in particular, uh, looms large. So I think you head into these next couple saying if you can find a way to get one of them, you'll feel pretty good about yourself. If you find a way to get both, you're going to feel great. 9-10. 11, 12, 19, 21. Do you know what those six numbers represent, Andy? I do not. I probably should. Those probably are the current Ken Palm rankings of Indiana's last six opponents. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say, you know, look, it's been rough. <laughs> Indiana is two and four, uh, obviously, in those six games. And they bookended it. They had a home win against Michigan State, a home win against Iowa in between the losses to Maryland, Penn State, Ohio State, and Purdue. But it is kind of important to look back and realize how difficult this schedule has been for Indiana. And look, Indiana should have played better in some of these games. It should have competed more against Penn State, should have won the Maryland game, should have competed more against Purdue. All of that is definitely true. But when you look at a gauntlet 
a gauntlet like that, you know, going into it. We obviously wanted to win more than two games, but you know, all things considered, it kind of feels, and, and this is what I want to get your opinion on, Andy. It kind of feels like Indiana treaded water. You know, like if the goal is just get to the NCAA tournament and you look at these six games against all those highly rated teams, you got two wins. You know, now you go down the stretch, you've got 16 wins in the bank, you know, you're six and seven in conference play. You feel like you need to get, you know, at least three probably to feel good about your NCAA tournament chances. You still have three games at home. So we've talked a lot about, you know, they just got to kind of stay in front of the curve for the tournament. And despite all the struggles, it still kind of feels like they're there. Is that is that a fair assessment? Does this win? How much does this win kind of help from a bracketology perspective? Well, it, it definitely helps in the sense that it's a, another high quality win. Uh, I use in a situation like a, a number of Big Ten teams where they don't really have bad losses. They're getting tons of good opportunities for wins. It, you just can't get yourself to a point where the lo- the volume of losses is so much that you, you can't overcome it. So this game helps keep you away from that. And I think looking back at that stretch the way that you talked about, if you find a way to get one other win in there, whether that's holding on to the Maryland game or whatever the case may be, I think you feel ecstatic coming out of that at, if, if you were to come out of that at um, seven and six as opposed to six and seven. So yeah. uh, I, to your point, I think you've largely treaded water. You, you hate to lose two home games during that stretch. I think that's the difficult part, especially as you come into this stretch where four of four or five come on the road at some tough places to play against some really good teams. Uh, all the teams are really good uh, at this stage. And and so the margin for error is still really small. Um, but this game, I, I think losing this game, things could have really gotten away from them pretty quickly. So yeah. uh, it does a couple things, keeps you from taking another loss and, and gives you another quality win. So I think it's, Again, you got seven games left at this point. Can you find a way to go? Uh, if you find a way to go four and three and get yourself to the 500 in the league, um, I think it's pretty smooth sailing. If you go three and four, probably still okay. Um, anything less than that, it, again, it just starts to get to be where the volume of the losses is. It, you, you just don't want that to get too high. There's a whole lot of history around you know how far over 500 teams have to be and different things like that. So uh, it, it definitely keeps the uh keeps the worst at bay for the for the moment and uh, i think coming off of that four game losing streak that's that's as much as you can ask for all right you're listening to the assembly call iu post game show remember that because you're an assembly call listener you get 20 percent off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code assembly20 so if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique iu apparel that you will find anywhere go to homefieldapparel.com and use that promo code assembly20 for 20 percent off your entire order all right, Andy, it is time for last call. Ryan already did his, so you have the honors. Just a, a huge bounce back performance to really, uh, you're not going to say salvage the season. I don't know that it, things were quite that dire, even though they felt like it, but um, an impressive performance for the team to come through in a really difficult spot, um, given what we've seen. Uh, hopefully reminds them of the potential that is there and, uh, what they can do when they're, you know, to Archie's point, focused on the right things and however you want to, whatever cliche you want to use, um, it, it was it was a good bounce back for them. And it gives them what hopefully is some much needed confidence heading into that. I mean, we saw uh, what that Purdue game, you know, beating Iowa was able to do for Purdue, gave them confidence to go on the road and, and come into IU and play really well. Hopefully a similar thing happens for IU, beating them, um, going into these road games, trying to figure out a way to uh, to win one of them at least. And, uh, and going from there, and and like Ryan said, you're happy for a guy like Devontae. 
um, I think he becomes, he's been so maddening because you know that performances, you know, you can't expect this on a night in and night out basis for sure, but you know that performances like this are, are in there and, and you know how good he can be. And you see that uh, sometimes he just doesn't live up to what you've seen from him at times. And, and that becomes frustrating for everybody, probably frustrating for him as well. Uh, some of Archie's comments about him after the game, you can just tell the, you know, kind of push and pull between those guys uh, is just a challenge from a personality standpoint, from a way they play the game standpoint and, and things like that. But, uh, but excited for him to be able to do that in front of his brother. Sounds like Archie did ask what we talked about, whether uh, he could keep him they could keep him from the Lakers, but he was, uh, he was told no. So uh, that's all you can do, but uh, good performance. And, and a uh, big one from race. I think he can be a guy who we've talked about this with Jerome and some of the other uh, younger guys as, as he starts to, get more comfortable play like this. Can he be a guy that really sparks something late in the season because of what he can do from a versatility standpoint? So uh, like I said, I think Michigan is a good matchup for him and you see what he can do. And then uh, as we've talked about many times, just a great performance from trace uh, on both ends of the court and uh, a guy who really is stepping into a leadership role as a, as a really young guy, just leading with effort and, uh, and, and those kinds of things. So, a lot of positive things for tonight as many for as many negative things as there were after some of these other games. So yeah. uh, you just kind of to use my own cliche, you just kind of take it one game at a time, figure out what, which team is going to show up and then uh, go from there. So hopefully this team finds its way to Ann Arbor on Sunday. By the way, don't look now. You may recall this offseason. I said many times Indiana would finish in the top half of the country in three point shooting. They're 207th. They're creeping up there. Two out of the last three games, they've been really good from downtown. Eighth in conference play. This is obviously not where we want to be, but the shooting is is improved. Devontae Green shooting 38.3% from three-point range now. Rob Finnessy, 39.6%. So those guys are holding up their end of the bargain. Obviously, we need to get some of the younger guys shooting a little bit better, but those numbers at least going up. Yeah, big win for Indiana tonight. The Hoosiers absolutely had to have this one. They got it. I'm proud of them. I'm happy for Devontae. And I continue to be impressed with Trace Jackson Davis, who ever since he had that little lull midseason has really, really just been a rock that Indiana can count on. He was the one guy bringing energy against Purdue, I thought, and played pretty well that game. Uh, and he was terrific tonight. So kudos to all those guys. But I want to save the rest of my last call to dedicate this show to Andy Campbell's father, Ed, uh, who passed away on Monday. Andy is a longtime listener of the show. Uh, he emailed me to let me know that his father, Ed, uh, passed away. His father, Ed, actually graduated in 1953, and then Andy graduated in 1987. So obviously both years at Indiana hung banners. Hopefully Andy has some children or grandchildren that he's going to send to Indiana so they can uh, graduate and, and get us another banner. But you know, there are a couple of, talk about meaningful moments, there are a couple of meaningful moments that that Andy pointed out that he remembered because as he said, you know, connecting about IU sports, that was, you know, kind of a special thing for he and his father. And two moments that really stood out to him. One is a tear running down his father's face as time wound down on the Big Ten title clinching game in 1983. That, of course, was the season that Bob Knight dedicated the banner to the fans, seeing that tear run down his dad's face. And the other one was in 1987, the home win over Michigan. I was there. That's when my dad was coaching under Bill Mallory. Just a huge win. The last time we beat Michigan. And he said that the memory was seeing his dad laughing hysterically. And his quote was, the emotion that is IU basketball will bring you to tears, but not football. When I looked over this time, he was red-faced from laughing hysterically. This man had suffered years and years of IU football games as a student and an alumni. I never saw him laugh harder. 
So great stories, Andy. We really appreciate you sharing that with us. We wish you and your family uh, all the peace, uh, you know, as you mourn your father's passing, as you celebrate his life. Uh, and again, we just we really appreciate you celebrating that with us. So to close out here, in your father's honor, we will play this. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks, as always, to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Sunday after IU Michigan. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. I always get the sense when you hear Yogi do that, that he's kind of like laughing and smirking while saying it. Like, why am I doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Like, I'm going to do this because this guy paid me on Cameo. Yeah. This is kind of cheesy. And he would be right about that, but we still appreciate him doing it anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Yogi. Max Bielfeld is on Cameo. Once I get a few minutes, I got to get on there and try to work in how we can get him to say better than advertised. On uh... nice. <laughs> You're listening to the Assembly Call. Better than advertised. Like me, Max Bielfeld. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> He'll probably be having the same smirk you just talked about with Yogi. I, think. I don't know. Maybe that's what we'll do. So I'm, Alex and I have been trying to figure out when we're going to do podcast on the brink, and we talked about trying to record it tonight while he's driving home. I'm wondering if my uh, voice can handle 30 more I mean, minutes. Of, uh, he may need to do a lot of the heavy lifting on yeah. that if you're going to uh, go, he, he, go down uh, that road. I'll just toss him out. So, Alex, what'd you think of the game? Mute. <laughs> just yeah. Like While he's driving through rural Indiana and losing his cell phone <laughs> signal. That'll be, be the worst episode ever. But we'll see. We will see. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Are you uh, Are you in Sunday or are you out? I am not. Mallory has a game at the same time as the uh, IU game. So. Okay. Cool. We'll see if. So, uh, I'm definitely out for that one. Okay. Well, good stuff, man. Man, it's nice I'm good for this. I'm good for the whatever whatever the game is next week, midweek, Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday at the barn, right? Yeah, should we go on that? Yeah, I think at it's the barn. Is it later even? I think. Oh damn! Yeah, it's not is until it? nine. Oh, it's, it's one of those. Nine, huh? Yeah, that's good. I was saying Mallory has a practice, but it's not. It certainly won't be at nine. So no, I'm good for that one. All right, good for that one. All right, well, that was much. Uh, that was much more fun to talk about. So. Was, wait, let's get hopefully a, more we, of this. At to least come. a few more of these. No kidding. At least a few more. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I did not come in with a, a whole lot of uh, optimism for the game. So it was nice to be I pleasantly surprised. I didn't either. And then Devonte happened. Yep. <laughs> all, and then I was like, well. well, maybe this. Maybe this game will be different. <laughs> it's great when Devonte happens. Who knows? <laughs> no, we'll see. I mean, I, I really think some of these guys playing well. We talked about a lot with Jerome after the Purdue game on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, race. If he can continue to give some fraction of this, they at least have some lineup flexibility that Dude, he's, didn't feel like he's they had earlier in the year. Yeah. He's a, he's a key for the rest of the year. His, his uh, block percentage is 6.3%. His steal percentage is 3.1. I mean that now obviously it's short, small sample size, but that's like elite level defensive numbers for those two. And you know, if you can keep getting that kind of production from him, I mean, that's yeah. outstanding. He just does a good job of being in the right spot. I think Michigan's a good matchup for him. And then Minnesota, you got to find somebody that can guard Oturu. It's all right. Give him no. 40 and shut everybody else down. Yeah. Well, apparently that's the, apparently that's the way you do it. <laughs> held, held him just under 40. So yeah. it was a, it was a great job by all. Jeez.
Yeah, I felt bad saying that about Trace. I was like, yeah, he did a really good job defensively. Oh, that guy he had 38, did, but he I did. Mean, I know. Garza feels like a dumb thing to say, but it's like, shots. yeah. I mean, Garza hit shots that no one else can hit. You know what I mean? Like in the country. Oh, yeah. He's just, Some of those just face up jump shots and whatever. I mean, he did like a step back three. I think he actually missed that one, but. Yeah. Man, no, he's. Yeah. What are you, you going to do? Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad they don't have to play them again. Yeah. 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 Who Definitely. knows? Who knows what Fran might do? But who knows? <laughs> All right. All right. Talk cool. to you all on Sunday. Or Thanks, I, everybody. I might talk to you on podcast on the brink. We'll see. Hopefully you can hear me. Maybe. Do. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. All right. See you guys see later. You, Today, I'm taking it to the streets to give people the good news. Oh, excuse me. Hello. I'm Flo from Progressive. And did you know? No, I'm just waiting for the bus. So then you have time to hear about how with HomeQuote Explorer, you can check if you're paying too much for home insurance. Yeah, if I was interested in talking to you, which I'm not. Okay, I'll do the talking and you just check if you can be saving, which is going to be pretty hard to do if you put on your headphones. Okay. See if you're paying too much for home insurance with HomeQuote Explorer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.